Support for this podcast is provided by Cosmic, a Portland-based agency consisting of technologists, storytellers, and strategists who help nonprofits and B Corps quickly grow revenue and impact. Start growing your mission-driven organization with Cosmic at AmplifyPDX.com. From That Cast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast as we kick off February. Um, I'm excited to have my next guest, Kate Winkler, who's the Chief Executive Officer for Ruby. And if you're local, I'm sure you know about Ruby. If not, uh, we're going to get into what they do and the the great uh, company that they are. So, Kate, welcome. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. So a lot of things I want to get into. I, I would love to learn more about Ruby and kind of the evolution of the company and, of course, your career journey. But as a leader, I want to just start off asking a question. How has it been? <laughs> and some of the, your, the things that you wrote about, I've been following about leadership and creating a, a kind of a culture for leaders of, of vulnerability and psychological safety. Really interesting, interested uh, to learn about your perspectives on that and have you, how you implemented that. Compound question, lots of different ways we could go. So first of all, thanks again. And um, yeah, I'd love to just, uh, how are you doing as a leader? <laughs> that, uh, well, um, seeing that this is a podcast, I, um, in, everyone can't see me. This is no longer my natural hair color because <laughs> the last <laughs> few years have been, um, well, they've been, um, they've been tough. And only because there is no formula that any leader had to get through the pandemic. And there is no advanced planning or planning methodology that could have prepared any of us for what has come the last two years. And it's not only just the pandemic, it's the social fabric of just everything around us and our communities breaking down. It's an election year. It's anything and everything that has really happened that has just put tremendous strain on mental health. And um, as a leader, you know, just driving through the pressures that our staff feels without taking a moment to stop and say, how can I actually be that one safe environment for them in their day? Because mm. everything else is chaos. And so you start to realize that the best planning isn't going to work and that there is no straight path through the last two years and there's no straight path out of the next two years. <laughs> and, and so we've stopped trying to plan for perfection and we've stopped trying to say, what are we going to be when we grow up in two years? Because we've said, you know what, let's just focus on our purpose, focus on the value that we deliver to not only every one of our roomies, but to our community. And let's just put all of our energy there. Because if we really execute on our purpose, which is really to help small businesses, then we can all be aligned and put our energy towards something common that makes us feel good, that reinvigorates us every day. And it actually makes it easier to get through the day. (laughs) And 
And so we don't do long-term planning anymore. We do a lot of real-time decision-making. We encourage people to take more risks than they've ever taken before, which there's been a lot of change Mm. coming through that. But we're empowering them with data to say, okay, so how did that go? All right, lesson learned. Let's adapt. (laughs) And, And so we're trying to be just less polarized as a business on everything is either right or wrong. Everything is black or white. And just saying, you know what? It's all right. We're going to figure it out. And we're going to just take the path. As long as we stay focused on our purpose, we'll find the path through. And from what I know about Ruby, that that purpose has always been there, even before the pandemic. Um, So it wasn't, you know, it's all sounds like pretty embedded in the DNA. But when this happened and we when you look at tactical things you did, I would love for you to share if you can, how what kind of communication did you do to, to reinforce that maybe, or, you know, it sounds like, you know, take more risk to to, uh, your, your team. You know, it's, um, the, the first thing we did is honestly, especially when the pandemic started was over communicate because everyone was scared. And so, and Ruby had never worked at home and we've got our, most of our employees have desktop computers with two screens. So even just the physical movement of getting to home was difficult, let alone, oh, you have five people that live in your house sharing the same internet connection. Ooh, okay. And you have now three kids in the house too. And you've got a dog and a cat and, uh, and, um, or you only have an attic space to work in in the middle of the summer and it's 95 degrees. Um, Mm -hmm. So there were a whole series of things as we started to um, approach, um, not only communicating internally with our rubies, but with our customers and said, our number one goal is continuity of service, but there's probably going to be a dog barking in the background. And there's probably going to be a kid interrupting one of your calls. And I want to be realistic and set that expectation. We're here for you. It's not going to impact our ability to deliver good service, but these things are going to happen. And let's just embrace that this is different now. And, and it was kind of, again, this honest and vulnerable approach to saying, it's okay you feel nervous and scared right now. And we as an organization at the very beginning of COVID said, our goal right now is we're going to plan that this is a two-year problem. I can't believe I'm standing here two years later going, this is well beyond a two-year problem. We all feel the same way. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, but we made a commitment to um, our, our rubies internally that our number one goal was to not have to lay off employees that we needed to give them a safe place to be. And we needed to give them flexibility and we needed to accommodate how work was going to change in their lives every day. And Mm. so we set up a communication protocol initially where it was communications for me every day day. And how are we going to get to home? How are we going to make our systems? It was not easy to get our systems working from home. And then how do we actually say what is next? And so we completely redid all of our internal communications protocols. And I started doing videos to our employees once a week, they could submit questions. What are the, what are your biggest concerns and questions? And I would just take them one by one. And Cool. They were hard. Nobody gave me any softballs. <laughs> no, they were no slack. Huh? No. And, but these were the things that were most important because if we didn't address the things that were creating the pressure on our staff, they weren't going to be able to deliver quality of service to our customers. 
And again, that brings me probably to the second piece, which is really purpose. The thing that aligned us the most in the pandemic was really helping all of our rubies understand that what we do really, really, really matters to the small business community. So all of a sudden, the small business community found themselves shut down. They couldn't actually, they had to lay off individuals. They couldn't answer their phone and be a plumber or be a real estate agent Mm. or be a contractor or be an attorney all at the same time. And so we had to come in and play a much bigger role for small businesses because they they were treading water. They were really having a difficult time and taking a lot of use cases and customer feedback and and just reinvigorating our, our staff to say, this is why what we do matters. So it really was our purpose that really kept us focused, that really mm-hmm. said, I got to make it through today today. It's tough. And for us, it was particularly hard because this uncertainty went out into the community and it comes back into Ruby as a call that's escalated, that's hot, that's angry. Yeah. And so even our receptionists were feeling going, whoa, what is going on right now? Yeah. And so we even had to change how we think about benefits, how we think about communications, how we think about support, honestly, even how we think about staffing. So we used to have three staffing windows. You worked overnight, you know, you worked eight to two, you worked two to seven, and it was pretty rigid. And then all of a sudden we found kids at home. And so we start, saw the ability of our receptionists, their ability to work went from 40 hours to 26 hours overnight. Couldn't work. Mm. And because mm-hmm. all of these dynamic things had shifted, and then it became an issue of, okay, so now we just lost a huge amount of capacity. So how do we try and get that capacity back? Not only through things like hiring, but more importantly, just being flexible and saying, do you want to break your shift into three shifts? Okay, because we want to enable you to work. Let's figure out, you need to go relocate to Salem for six weeks to take care of your mother at the same time. You can work from Salem. That's okay. <laughs> and like, and so we really tried to embrace flexibility as we really thought about just being creative and, and helping solve problems for our staff yeah. as well. But I, but I will say, I think the piece on on purpose really matters, particularly right now. And because we're also seeing, and and I know you see this every day with the labor market where it is right now as well. um, Not only is it so hard for everyone to hire, but we're in this exhausted, coming out of two years, just being exhausted and tired and asking ourselves, am I doing something that I really care about? And so Purpose has become something that's actually become a screening mechanism of, do I even want to work for this company? Is this even worth my time? Is it something I care about? And um, and Ruby, as a purpose-driven company, this has been one of the things in our kind of doubling down on, it's so important that everyone understand why what we do matters and how that actually even impacts our vision and our mission, which we just recently refreshed and said, and actually, we do need to refresh this. This is a different world. Um, all the initiatives around um, equity, diversity, and inclusion need to also impact our vision and mission and our commitment to our communities. So these are things that I would encourage other leaders um, 
you know, purpose and vision and mission used to just be check the box things as part of your business plan when you set them up and then you put up on the shelf and, you know, every now and then you hand it somebody a, yeah, here's our vision and mission, but they actually really need something. And, and it's something that we reinforce every day. Uh, thank you for that. And there's a lot to unpack there and specifically around getting back to just hiring going forward. As you, as you said, it's just <laughs> wild out there <laughs> yeah. to, to, you know, and I think people do like, I, I've had a lot of friends who left, uh, gigs as uh, you probably know people too. And yeah, what are we doing it for? And I think the flexibility piece can't be overstated. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm curious these things you've implemented, I assume is this is long-term going to be part of your kind of uh, culture and the way you operate. Are there any other things you're looking to implement on the horizon for just on the ta- you know tracking talent piece that you could share or thoughts? It, absolutely, there, there are a couple things that we have done, and you know, one is we saw the labor problems coming last January, um, and it really happened right when the new administration had put in some policy changes around increasing and creating a bigger safety net for unemployment, and overnight our turnover doubled. And that was an indicator of one, okay, the really the health of the population that are in jobs, they need a break. And so, and we've created a safe space for them to get that break. And so very quickly, we had to make a decision going, there weren't enough folks in the Portland area to hire. Mm. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. And so we actually opened remote work in locations where we probably won't ever have an office. And that was a big decision for us because it's one thing to enable remote work with an option to ultimately go back to hybrid or something similar. We went immediately to, we just need bigger access to bigger pools of resource and it shouldn't be geography constrained. And Mm -hmm. so we opened up office, um, we opened up jobs for receptionists in Arizona. We now have them in Texas, uh, et cetera. So we one just said access to talent. You shouldn't tr- you should try to remove the constraints, and geography is a big constraint. <laughs> and, yeah, um, and so I, I would say that is one. Um, second is even though we opened up that you know bigger talent pools for us, we saw more talent coming in, but it wasn't the quality of talent that we wanted, and and we were trying to figure out why aren't we getting that next level of quality? So we actually created both a recruiting and a retention task force internally that looked at, okay, are we just not, what are, how are we screening candidates? Are we asking the right questions? Are we actually bringing in folks that are really just looking for 90 day work right now? And they're looking to job mm. hop because they're trying to figure out what they want to do. And let's try and not figure out, um, let's try and not hire and screen out that candidate better as part of our recruiting processes. But more importantly, we also had to ask ourselves, the receptionist job in particular, which is our, our most voluminous job. So we have about 450 receptionists. Oh wow! That's the job that we have to constantly staff for to make sure we're providing our, our high level service. We had to ask ourselves, are we actually being really fair and accurate about how hard this job is? This is a hard job. And so how do we actually take videos of what these folks are doing and what is expected of them during the day? So we're realistic. This isn't for everyone. And let's just be more realistic about what the work is. But then let's also take that next step with vision and mission and say, it's a hard job, but here's why it matters. 
The other piece of it then was actually tying it to growth opportunities. So there are, you know, it, with throughout the Ruby's organization right now, there are 200 former receptionists that are in other corporate level jobs right now, all the way up to one of our lead product managers, our QA team, we have engineering folks, et cetera, sales and marketing, our top performing salesperson is a former receptionist. Oh, wow. And so our job is to, to actually build that career pathing. And so that too has become part of our recruiting process going, we want you to come here to come build a career to do one of these things and look at the 200 other people that already have. And Love that. because you're not just hiring for a single role, you really want that experience. You really want that growth opportunity. And so that was probably the biggest realization for us that we weren't taking an advantage of an asset that we had was internal growth. And we weren't using that as a tool and showing that as an opportunity. And then, of course, there were things as well that we had to, um, we really had to take a hard look at compensation and say, all right, this is a decade old problem. This, we need to do better and we need to lead by example. So last year, we actually raised our rates twice and, um, and went up, particularly on our hourly rules, um, almost 11% in compensation. Oh, well, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think, as you know, um, a lot of companies in here locally are having those same self-reflections. And I love yeah. how you said, like, let's take an honest look at the position and how hard it is, right? I, I think that's that's great. And uh, stepping back a little bit, you were named C- CEO, was it last year or was it the year before? It was um, in late 2019, 20, literally right okay. before the pandemic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and let's talk yeah. a, a little bit about your, your, your career journey. I mean, um, what was leading up to, you know, being, becoming the CEO. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So um, I was not looking for a job. In fact, I had, um, was about nine years into um, having been a technology investment banker. So I was actually out raising capital and, and helping get liquidity events for high growth technology companies. And, okay. but that wasn't my, my training. I'm actually a former two-time CEO and I'm a hands-on operator, and I just happened to sell both of those companies, had an opportunity to go work with other high-growth um, emerging businesses to help them do all the amazing things that they do. And um, I luckily got the opportunity to meet Jill um, back in 2017, Jill Nelson, and um, because she had taken on her first round of meaningful outside capital in, uh, in 2015, and Ruby was growing like crazy, but Ruby was a one product, one service company in reception mm-hmm. services. Um, and she was really trying to figure out what to do next. And so have a knowing of data partners who was the investor in Ruby, they asked me to sit down with Jill. And, uh, and so I did and, and immediately you know, within 10 minutes of meeting Jill, not only do you love her, but you realize what she has built in Ruby is very special. And it is because of that purpose. Again, she is, was always so laser focused on how do I deliver more time in the day to small businesses by actually creating those connections for them, elevating their brand for them. It was something bigger than I'm just going to answer their calls. It was, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. always has been bigger than that. And so in exploring that with Jill, I helped her build a roadmap of going, let's talk about different ways you can expand the business. Maybe 
move beyond just calls and move to chat or text messaging or social media. There's multiple ways in which we communicate with vendors and partners now. Mm-hmm. And what about other geographies or other verticals? Ruby got its start largely working with attorneys. And mm-hmm. so the vast majority of the business were attorneys who said, you know, doctors need this service and accountants and plumbers and contractors. And yeah. what about other verticals? And so um, I loved um, what Jill had built here. And, and I largely agreed and, and cautioned her going, and whatever you do, don't do what a lot of folks do and say, oh, you can just outsource, you know, the call answering to overseas. That quality piece doesn't really matter. The quality piece is 100% the only thing that matters when you talk about what Ruby does. And in quality being in speed of connecting that and catching that opportunity and establishing trust. And so that's what Ruby does. We capture more opportunities for small business. We establish trust with the, between those interactions. And we're building small businesses' brands and reputations and giving them repeat business. And so it's super simple, but that quality piece matters. So when I um, got a call from Jill that she was retiring, I assumed that she was calling to say, who do you know? I'm just ready to retire. And I started going through the list of all the folks in my list. And uh, and she just started laughing. I said, Joe, what are you laughing at? She's like, I want you to do it. <laughs> like, that's so funny. I haven't run a company in 10 years. You really don't want me to do this. And she's like, no, 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 no. It's you. I know it. And I said, I tell you what, I'm like, let me go talk to my family. I'm not even in the mind space of thinking about another job right now. And I said, but I tell you what, the only company that would probably even get me to consider this is Ruby because I really believe in what you do. And so I went in and actually talked to my family. And the funny part of it was um, my husband, I walked in and said, you know, remember that company in Portland that I did a little bit of consulting with? He's like, yeah, Ruby, you talked about them nonstop for like a year. (laughs) I said, well, Jill's retiring. He's like, oh my God, what are they going to do? I'm like, they're thinking maybe me. And, uh, and he just laughed. He's like, well, let's go to Portland and, and I'd like, let's go see Ruby. And so I actually had my husband and my daughter just go take a tour. You've been to Ruby offices. We yeah. routinely do tours of, I want to go see what it's like to be at Ruby. And I just sent them in. They just went in as friends of Jill. And they both walked out of that and said, we're going to be mad if you don't take this job. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, okay, but we live in California. And they said, nope. You got to, this is, this is you, this is your job. And, uh, and, but nonetheless, um, that's actually how I ended up at Ruby, but I did also tell Jill, this is, um, right now I'm your easy choice. Let's not be like, let's make sure you're thorough about this. Mm -hmm. Still hire a recruiter, put me through a process. And I'm the one that comes through the other side that we're both excited about Mm -hmm. it. And then that's Mm -hmm. the right decision. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that. And it's a great jumping off point as we kind of get to uh, a, a couple of last topics I always love to talk about is, is Portland, you know, yeah. so it's interesting. You do have that investment background, but also are, you know, an operator. So just being here and being in the ecosystem a little bit, even though, you know, we has been a lot of virtual things. What's your thoughts of running a company in Portland and just the future of attracting more Yeah early stage businesses here and, and investment here? I um, I love running a company in Portland. And this is after a decade of being in Silicon Valley. 
And mm-hmm. so I have a very stark contrast between those two. Um, the business community that I've been connected to in Silicon Valley, there's not someone I can immediately pick up the phone going, oh, and you would think because yeah. technology yeah. is the center in Silicon Valley. However, um, in Silicon Valley, there um, there's almost a playbook of how you find a business, how you grow a business, and there is no connection to purpose. And so it is... It is, I have money, I need to deploy it. This formula worked before I can do it better than the last person did it. And then money, and then capital gets involved there. There's no connection or commitment to community. And that really bothers me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so if this opportunity were in the Bay Area, I probably would have said no. One of the things that attracted me to it was that it was in Portland. And Probably the biggest reason for that, Portland is, it is such a compassionate and caring group and community. And if you look at, and I spend a lot of time with um, all of the small businesses, whether it be through TAO, through the Portland Business Journal, mm-hmm. getting to meet all of my peers. And even on my first day, you know, Skip at TAO reached out and said, we've yeah. got to get to know you. Who are you? Welcome to the community. What do you uh-huh. need? And I literally had access to every single thing that I need through one person. And then that one person connected me to 20. And now I share that network with everyone. I've never walked into such a supportive environment. And Mm. um, and that is truly unique to Portland. And the other thing that I, I really love is the business entrepreneurs in Portland have purpose. They're not looking for a this is the template of how you start a business to actually be able to sell it to a particular type of private equity company in three years to make your billion dollars to go off mm-hmm. and then retire mm-hmm. before you're 35. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. that, and if anything, that's frowned upon. <laughs> it is, exactly. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And so when you talk through, I, I am so inspired by the businesses in Portland and so much so that it doesn't even matter if they have anything to do with Ruby. I want to help them. I'm like, and yeah, so like, yeah. here's who I know. Who, here's how I can help you. Because again, it comes back to having purpose and it comes back to having a commitment to building a better community. And yeah. that is what I think is probably the most amazing and unique thing about Portland. Um, and I'll actually give you a, a funny anecdote to that because our investor of Data Partners, not only do they invest in us. They invest in Big Leaf. They've got um, a bunch of different um, current and former Portland investments. Hmm. And one of their criteria is to invest in non-Bay Area businesses for that reason, because they've actually found private equity has a commitment to community as well. And they want to build a company first. And if they do a good job building a company first, then they will drive a return for their fund. And so you will find that markets like Portland are going to attract those kind of investors. And that's a good thing because it's going to actually build a healthier and more sustainable business economy. That is great perspective. And it's just reflexive, again, who we are as a community and the business founder. So um, Kate, well, thanks so much for sharing time on the podcast. Where can folks learn more about Ruby and maybe learn more about you or connect with you if you're uh, open to that? Absolutely. I'm always actually open to helping anyone in the Portland community. Um, So ruby.com is the best way to find us. And of course, anyone can always shoot me a note through LinkedIn. I love connecting and finding out uh, 
not only what we have in common, but how we can actually share our networks as well. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.